Hello everyone and welcome back to the Football Trigger Podcast. My name is Thomas Durning and today I am joined by my co-host Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. On today's podcast, we'll be reacting to last weekend's Scottish Premier League and English Premier League results. We'll be reacting to the latest Scotland squad announcement. We will also be discussing the transfer news from around the globe and at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be given a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we'll be reacting to last weekend's Scottish Premier League results. So I'll just quickly go through them all. So um, Ross County nil, Rangers 2, Celtic nil, St Johnston nil, Hibs 2, St Johnston 3, Murrowell 2, Kilmarnock 1, Dundee 1, Hearts 0, St Mirren 2, Aberdeen 2. So Pierce, which match stands out to you from last weekend's Scottish Premier League results? Well, I'm going to go with uh, Dundee 1, Hearts 0. Um, I, I believe it's um, uh, Tony McIntyre's uh, first win in the top flight for uh, Dundee since I've been uh, back in the division. And obviously Hearts have now got that kind of hangover from the European tie. And the first leg where they lost at, at Tincastle, surprisingly. Um, but I thought to a man, Dundee uh, thoroughly deserved the three points. And they, they just, for, for a team that signed 12 to 13 new players, they seemed to just look organised. I remember last time in the division uh, two years ago, um, Dundee they didn't, didn't really offer as much of an attack and threat. But throughout that game, um, they caused hearts. Series of problems and um and what a goal to win it as well because it's the high press that um forces Hearts into a, a unnecessary mistake playing out from the back and uh Luke McCowan scored an absolute wonder going to the top hand corner catching uh, Zander Clark off his line um but no that's that's a standard fixture for me um Dundee kind of shown that they can uh, f- fix it with the, with the big boys yeah absolutely. Um, so my match that stands out to me from last weekend is the, the Celtic result, which finished Celtic now, St Johnston now. Um, so that was St Johnston's first point of the season. Um, you know, they've had a really bad start. But to go to Celtic Park and get a draw and not concede a goal as well, it's, that would give them a lot of confidence. So, uh, you know, I, hope, I think St Johnston will probably be hoping that they'll kick on from that um, and build themselves a lot of confidence from that. But um, from a Celtic point of view, uh, you know, a very poor result again. You know, second week running that they haven't scored. Um, I think that's pretty unheard of, to be honest with you. And usually Celtic score goals for fun, especially the last couple of years um, domestically. Um, but the fact that they've now gone two weeks without scoring a goal kind of says that there's issues at Celtic at the moment. Um, you know, there's lots of injuries. Um, you know, um, obviously Brendan Rodgers coming in, you know, different style of management to Ange Postecoglou, and it just seems to be that the players are still trying to get used to everything. Um, you know, it's you know, Rangers obviously lost in the opening week, um, and Celtic obviously you know had an advantage to that, but now Celtic have dropped points, so that gap now uh, obviously shortens. So that's although there was although um. There was no goals or anything. Um, you know, there wasn't the most exciting match to watch. Uh, that's probably my standout match from the weekend, just in terms of, you know, 
um, St Johnston going to Celtic Park and getting a getting a result and also not conceding any goals. Um, but I also want to just uh, briefly touch on Murrowell, Kamarnock. So Murrowell won that game 2-1. You know, Murrowell, um, they've had an unbeaten start to the season. Seven points in three games. You know, that kind of... I mean, you touched on it before the start of the season that they might struggle without Kevin Van Veen. But at the moment, they seem to be doing all, all right without him. Uh, you know, they scored in the last kick of the game at the weekend as well, which shows that the team spirit there is... It's really good at the moment. You know, they've, they seem to be really uh, a really good team unit. So I uh, just wanted to briefly touch on that Murrowell result as well. Um, so we also have to touch on the fact that there's been uh, the first managerial sacking from the SPFL this season. So on Sunday, uh, 27th of August, it was announced that Hibs had sacked Lee Johnston after their defeat to Livingston. Um, so that match just, again, finished free to Livingston. So, Piers, what is your reaction to Hibs sacking Lee Johnson? Uh, I was a bit surprised. But, um, you, you cannot uh, argue that their start to the domestic campaign has been nothing short of uh, woeful. We've touched on the last two weeks. Domestically, they've been shambolic at times in terms of defending. They're just leaking too many goals. Although they're scoring goals, but they're not getting any positive results. And I think their the European performances kind of masked and papered over the cracks. And even like the back end of last season, they weren't great at times. And we, we called it the El Sacico last year when it was Aberdeen versus Hibernian. And Hibernian uh, rolled the game about six, I think it was 6 1 or something. Um, but he, he survived with the skin of his teeth that time. But it, it, it just didn't, didn't really improve. The, the results in Europe have kind of, like you said, I touched on, like, they kind of mashed over it a little bit. But in terms of domestically, and obviously you've seen the post-match comments at the weekend, you've seen he was a man under severe pressure and it, it just took his toll on him. And um, sad to see a, a manager lose his job, but I think um, it's probably for the best because you can't have a club the size of Hibernian losing their opening three games of the SPL season and they need to get uh, results quickly. Yeah, um, you know... I'm not fully surprised, to be honest. You know, as you said, it is tough to see managers lose their jobs. But I just think, as if you look at Lee Johnson's time at Hibs overall through the whole time, I just it's just been so inconsistent. You know, they've never really went on a run of games where you know they've picked up points game after game. You know, they all seem to have had one good result, and then the next game they have a bad result. So it's just been so inconsistent through Lee Johnson's time in charge, and um, you know. As you said, they've had a really bad start to the domestically this season. You know, they've lost every game so far. You know, the biggest problem is leaking goals. You know, defensively, they're just not they're just not good at the moment. You know, they just concede and go after goal. Going forward, they're a good team, eh, I feel. You know, with Martin Boyle, um, Eli, Eli Yuan and the new boy, Dylan Venti. That seems to be a good kind of attacking force, but defensively, they're just... They were just leaking too many goals. And, you know, you're not going to win games if you concede goals. Um, you know, they didn't have a great start to European football as well this season. You know, they lost to um I can't remember their, their name now, but um it was a really, it was a really low team in Europe, um, which was a really disappointing result. Obviously they picked up, but obviously uh, they got beat 5-0 off of Aston Villa um during the week there, which again you know, okay, Aston Villa are 
on a much better side, but to concede five goals is is not good. So I'm not surprised, to be honest with you, with Lee Johnson being sacked as his manager. Um, you know, um, and I just think with Hibs, it's you know that it's been they they seem to be sacking manager after manager, um, and nothing seems to be improving. So there does seem to be a few issues there behind the scenes. Um, so we were just touching there briefly on European, uh, European football for Hibs. So there is Scottish teams, um, in the second legs of their European ties this week, and they include, um, PSV versus Rangers. So last week. The first leg of that tie finished 2-2. Um, you've got Pauk Salanica versus Hearts. So uh, last week, um, that match finished 2-1 to Pauk Salonica. And Aberdeen versus Hacken. Um, again, that match finished uh, 2-2. And lastly, we touched on it just there, uh, Hibs versus Aston Villa. And uh, Aston Villa won that match 5-0. So, Pierce, how do you think these teams will perform in this week's European ties? I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really going to be an optimist this week. Um, I do think, obviously, the first legs kind of tell kind of half the story, but obviously it's still all to play for. But I think we'll go f- f- first touch on the Hibernian versus Aston Villa. We touched on it last week. I, I, I feel as if like, Hibs have done all they could in terms of the European journey. <laughs> And I had to come to an end sooner rather than later, um, because a club the size of Aston Villa and with the pedigree players they got in the manager, um, they're tipped to win the, the competition outright, even though they're not in it yet. Obviously, they've got a manager called Unai Emery, who's won Europa League. I think there's like four or five times as a manager with two different clubs, um, and I just felt that Aston Villa, they thumped Everton the week before, um, last weekend, so they were in a rich vein form. And um, they took it out on Hibs and they just showed the the reason why there's like, the quality and kind of class and personnel and the money that's in the Premier League to, compared to the Scottish Premier League. It's just night and day. Um, so I, I do think it will be probably the same again. It, it's just about Hibs just trying to limit limit the goals that Aston Villa will probably, probably hit against. So I, I'm predicting 4-0 Aston Villa. I think it will just be more of the same. And obviously down, down at the... Down in England, they'll put Aston Villa at home. They'll be they'll be they'll be in a buoyant mood. Um, so I don't, I, I can only see one winner there. In terms of Rangers PSV, it's a carbon copy of last season. Will it be the carbon copy of the second leg? We'll, we'll have to find out because it was two two last year in the first leg at Ibrox, and then Rangers went away and won one nil. And no one ever saw that coming last year. Um, can this repeat itself? Possibly. But I don't see it. I think um, I think Rangers themselves have been pretty good domestically, but from mostly the blip at the start of the season, he's come on up on opening day. But that's expected when you've got all these new players getting bedded in. Um, but I do think um, PSV will be will be buoying for revenge after last year, failing to make the Champions League. And I just I just think similar to Hibernian, I think Rangers have been leaking far too many goals. Although they're good goal scoring form at the moment, but um, I, I can only see one winner. I think it'll be a one 0 PSV. I Hearts and Park Salonica. It was two one at uh, Tynecastle, which was an unexpected scoring because obviously you've seen Hearts the previous week had um, humbled Rosenberg, who's a former Champions League side. Um, 
and I thought Hearts were they, t- they took a, an early lead and then they just kind of crumbled and like we said, Greek sides in Europe, they're hard to they're hard to call, hard to predict because the crowds are so hostile and they always kind of they always kind of over over people can underestimate them and they always kind of exceed exceed expectations and that's what they've done again because you thought like, the hostile atmosphere of Tynecastle would be maybe too much for them and you'd expect Hearts to continue their good form but that just wasn't meant to be and they never really had any top gear in the second half they just kind of puffed and puffed but nothing really happened and going away to Greece Greece is a very hostile atmosphere you know the fans are like, absolutely mental um, and I can only see I can see Hearts going to Europe as well Um. I can only see a talk Sonic a win. I'm going to say a two-one win again. So I think we'll probably fall to the aggregate. Um, but the one I do, I do feel optimistic about is um, Aberdeen getting the last, getting the last an equaliser in the, la- the last ten minutes against Hacking away in um, uh, Denmark, which is a fantastic result. Uh, having been down two 0 in, in the in the tie, um, and also taking it back to Petodre. Uh, this week, I think I think they can go and do the job. I think they can easily win the game, three uh, one. And I've been fully impressed by Aberdeen this season. The attacking talent they've got, I think they're more than capable of doing it. And um, yeah, that's my preview for the this week's second legs. Yep. Um. Thanks, Pierce. So I'll just quickly run through mine as well. So, PSV Rangers. You know, as you just said, carbon copy of last like um, last season. I have to touch on the fact that that game last week was a brilliant match to watch. You know, it was such an end-to-end game. You know, I thought PSV played really well on the night. I actually think they deserved to win. Um, you know, they had much more of the ball. You know, they had they created so many chances. But Rangers, you know, they did well um, to kind of keep, they keep bouncing back after PSV scored. Um, so, yep, so we've got in, uh, the tie back in Eindhoven, which is a carbon copy of last Last uh last season, I mean it's so hard to call. I've got no idea how this game will go. To be honest with you, um, I'm just going to say PSV, just based on the fact that from what I watched last week, I just felt PSV played a better game than Rangers. Although Rangers got a good result, um, I just think the fact PSV, I think they'll be more, much more motivated this time because of what happened in the last year when they got put out uh, at home. And I just think PSV might just have a bit too much for Rangers um, uh, on the night. But I would definitely not be surprised if Rangers pulled off a result. You know, they they done it last year. I think they are capable. So, um, but I'm going to say PSV. Um, I, I'll touch on the Aston Villa versus Hibs match. So, I think we can both say quite surely that that, that ties over now. You know, a really, really poor result for Hibs, especially at their home ground, to lose 5-0. And, um, you know, obviously Hibs, as we just touched on, they've just sat the manager. So they're going to go into this match um, at Villa Park and they're going to be low in confidence. You know, maybe the fact that they've got a kind of a new manager, maybe there might be a little bit of a bounce. You know, maybe they might, you know, they might be, they might try a little bit more. Not, not try, but maybe... You know, they might the motivation may be a bit more, I don't know. But yeah, uh, I think that ties already over and we can safely say that Aston Villa will be um will be safely through that that, that then that tie. Um so uh 
next match is the uh, Pyok Salonika versus Hearts. So I actually felt Hearts were, um, I felt, you know, they, they deserved to get something from the game last week. I didn't think they deserved to, they, they, they didn't deserve to lose, in my opinion. I felt that game was a draw, to be honest with you. I felt both teams were very, very even in the match. Um, so obviously, you know, Hearts now have to go over to Greece and they're down in that tie 2 1. You know, they're not out of this, they're not out of this tie at all. They are more than capable of getting back into this tie and also and also winning the tie. Um but I just think because of the, the, the travel, first of all, so from Scotland to Greece it's quite a travel. Uh, you know, we, we did touch on it. Uh, team uh, clubs in Greece. You know their fan bases are very, very hostile. It's a very that'll be a very hostile place for place for us to go to. Um, I just think the fact that Pyrex Salonika, the fact that they're two one up in the tie, I think if they got the first goal in that tie, you know I think it's going to be a very, I think it'll be a very long road for Hearts to get back into that. So I'm just going to say Pyrex Salonika, um, to win that, um, just just based on the fact that they are winning, and I just, I just can't see. Hearts turning that tie around, but at the same time, if they did, I wouldn't be surprised. You know they are capable, but I'm going to say Pyot Sonica to go through that tie, and then lastly, um, Aberdeen versus Harkin. So I last week Aberdeen did really well to, you know they were two 0 down in that tie and they brought it back to two two, um, and they're now going into this. Uh, they've now got a home tie, two two, and you know I think Aberdeen will do it. You know, I think that I actually think they played the better team. They played the better football uh, last week as well in Sweden. Uh, you know, I felt felt they played really well, um, and I think they will go through this tie. Um, and I think Aberdeen will be playing Europe League football next season, which will be well this season, sorry, which will be a a brilliant achievement for them. Um, so yeah, these are my kind of uh, uh predictions for this week's Scottish um. European ties. Um, so we will now move on to reacting to last weekend's English Premier League results. So again, quickly, I'll just go through them. So um, Chelsea 3, Luton Town 0, AFC Bournemouth 0, Tottenham 2, Everton 0, Wolves 1, Brentford 1, Crystal Palace 1, Arsenal 2, Fulham 2, Man United 3, Nottingham Forest 2, Brighton 1, West Ham 3, Burnley 1, Aston Villa 3, Sheffield United 1, Man City 2, um, and lastly, Newcastle 1, Liverpool 2. So, Pierce, which match from last weekend's Premier League matches stands out to you? Well, it's going to be the heavyweight clash of uh, Newcastle 1, Liverpool 2. Um, I think that was a standout fixture of the weekend. Um, and it, it didn't disappoint because there was drama right until the final whistle. Because you had the uh, Newcastle, the new money, test himself against the the big, big sides that have kind of been there and done that. And Liverpool are a European force. Um, although they had a terrible season last campaign, um, they still get tremendous talent in that squad. And Newcastle have been phenomenal last season, and the start of this season been pretty good because they blew away Aston Villa opening day. Although they did lose to Man City. And that's now them lost to like the two kind of like two of the top four sides. Um, but if Newcastle aspire to be a Champions League side in the regular, they need to try and win these fixtures. And I, I somehow don't know how they've done that because 
they got off to the perfect start. They were one 0 up uh, for a brilliant goal through Anthony Gordon, and then obviously Virgil Van Dijk gets a straight red card for lackluster defending and a, a slight tug in the jersey. And he was last man. He was denying a goal opportunity. So, but a little law, it was the correct decision. And there was debatable about a potential second yellow for Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, but I, I feel as if the first one was a bit harsh in terms of the the booking. But it could it could have been could have been worse. But then obviously Liverpool they looked dead and buried. Played the whole second half with ten men backs against the wall. Defended brilliantly. And then Darwin Nunez off the bench grabs a double. Um and it's just unexpected because Darwin Nunez is obviously you know his quality, but he has been very inconsistent. Um and the two finishes were absolutely fantastic to to be a goalkeeper of the standard of Nick Pope as well is pretty pretty impressive. So that's the standout fixture for me. The the Liverpool um through adversity going down to ten men yet again this season, because I think they've had Two or three red cards at the start of the season in the first three games. Um and to win against Newcastle is a, is a statement win uh, for them and it could kick start their season. Yep, um I agree. That's my standout match from the weekend as well. Um, you know, it was a brilliant game to watch. Lots of things happening, you know, obviously Liverpool going down to ten men so early on in the match. You know, they were up against it. You know, Newcastle were already one 0 up in that match. And everybody thought this was just going to be a Pretty comfortable Newcastle win, but it didn't turn out that way. You know, they did really well uh, defensively. You know, they, they managed to keep Newcastle out. I feel Newcastle will be disappointed. You know, I don't think they capitalised on the fact Liverpool went down to 10 men. You know, I, I actually felt Newcastle played worse when Liverpool went down to 10 men rather than when Liverpool had 11 men on the pitch. Um, so I think Newcastle will be pretty disappointed with that. And then, yeah, what a result for Liverpool. Uh, you know, Darwin Nunes, that's going to do him the, the world of good. You know, he's he's had a pretty tough time since he's joined Liverpool from Benfica. You know, he's got a big price tag. Um, but for him to score two goals in the last last moments of the game um, to win Liverpool the match, you know, I think that could really kick him, kick his Liverpool career on now. And, you know, he'd obviously, he'll obviously take a lot of confidence from that. Um, and I think, I'm sure Jurgen Klopp said that this result was bigger than when Bar- when Liverpool beat Barcelona 4-0 at Anfield in Champions League, which obviously goes to show how much Jurgen Klopp rates this performance. Um, I think he also said that as well, was the fact that this Liverpool team is a pretty new team. You know, lots of players are, are new to this club. Um, you know, I think they started with a midfield of Wittara Wendell, Alexis McAllister and Shaboshlai, who all joined Liverpool this summer. So that just kind of says it all as well, the fact that, you know, it is a pretty brand new team. So, yeah, that's my standout match from the weekend. Uh, you know, uh, a really good match to watch and a, a fantastic result for Liverpool. Um, so coming up next, we'll be re- reacting to the latest Scotland squad announcement. So Monday, the 28th of August, Scotland manager Steve Clark announced his latest squad for the upcoming match matches against Cyprus in England. So I'll quickly just run through everyone that's in that squad. Um, so the goalkeepers are Xander Clark, Angus Gunn and Liam Kelly. The defenders, Jack Hendry, Arden Hickey, Scott McKenna, Nathan Patterson, Ryan Porteous, Andy Robertson, John Souter and Kieran Tierney. Uh, the midfielders, 
Elliot Anderson, Stuart Armstrong, Lewis Ferguson, Billy Gilmore, Ryan Jack, John McGinn, Cal McGregor, Kenny McLean, and Scott McTominay. And lastly, the strikers, Che Adams, Ryan Christie, Lyndon Dykes, Kevin Nisbet, and Lauren Shanklin. So, Pierce, what is your reaction to the latest Scotland squad announcement? I think, again, it's another strong squad. I think most of the players pick themselves because, like you say, Clark, Steve Clark's done a tremendous job as a manager. And um, a lot of these players he stays loyal to. And the fact is, the last international break couldn't have, couldn't have gone any better. Um, we've got maximum points. Um, and most of them are the same players, apart from one noticeable potential uh, is uh, Elliot Anderson from Newcastle who could set to win his uh, first cap for Scotland. Um, born in England, um, but he, he qualifies for his um, Scottish uh, grandparents and he's played one under 21 cap for Scotland but to, to, and he's only just kind of broken a Newcastle team in the Premier League and I, I was impressed by him his start, his start to season in terms of pre-season and the start of Premier League uh, campaign. I think he's a player that offers a lot of energy and um, attacking intent from that midfield, and it could be it could be a good player to come on. Um, I don't I don't see him starting the game. I think he will go with tried and trusted because um, like you see your your Gilmore's, your Jacks, your McGregor, your McLean's, your McGinn's, your Armstrongs, they're like your kind of core. But like you say, potentially Jack and McGregor. I, I think they've had poor start to the seasons, um, not to the lofty heights that they usually have, and obviously they've got the potential of um. Ferguson as well and McTominay. Um, I think Ferguson started the the Serie A campaign brilliantly. Scored the winner at the weekend against um uh, Juventus, and then obviously McTominay's not really been playing much, even though he's a top goal scorer for Scotland. Um, and his future's up there as well. So and it was obviously good to have uh, Shea Adams back because he missed the last uh, camp uh, through injury. Um, so it's good to have a. Uh, him probably him and um, Dykes up front together again because they work they they two work uh, so well together because because the good link up play they have because like Dykes is a target man and uh, Adams is just he's not not the most prolific goal scorer for Scotland but he's just a willing runner and he wins fouls and he just causes the defence of the opposition no problems uh, uh, serious problems sorry um but I do think obviously we've got a qualifier of Cyprus away. You expect Scotland to win away, um, but you never take anything for granted, um, because you have to always try your hardest and um, and be right at it from the very off. Because, like you say, like Scotland away in in, in major tournaments and major qualifying tournaments is um, we've not get always to get the best results. So it's we need to start well and uh, defend as a unit because I think that's what we'll build on. But um, obviously, I think I think we'll do well. And um, I think I'm I'm really happy with the squad, and obviously you got an old enemy uh, tie against England as well. So that's obviously one to whet the appetite because obviously Scotland England it's quite a fierce rivalry. So even though it's a friendly, it's not really. Uh, so I'm look, really looking forward to the, the two games, and I think Scotland can um, beat Cyprus and uh, give England another good game what like they did in the Euro 2020. Yep, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, obviously I'll just briefly touch on the squad. Um, you know. Again, a really good squad. No real changes, to be honest with you. You know, Steve Clark does seem to just always keep the the, the core of the squad. He always picks the same kind of squad. Uh, obviously, the big the big name out of that is Elliot Anderson. You know, he's got history with 
playing with Scotland internationally. You know, he's played under twenty ones, under nineteens. Um, you know, I think he's been caught. He's been asked if he wants to play for Scotland, the the men's team. Uh, uh before, but he's always. I think he had had. He, he, I think Steve Clark said he, he wanted to think about it, and he's now eventually come to the decision that he's going to pledge his his international career to Scotland, um, rather than England, which is obviously good news for Scotland. You know, he's. I think he's doing really well in Newcastle at the moment. You know, he's part of that that squad. You know. Um, so yeah, that's a re- it's a really good addition, um, to the squad. Um, uh, obviously he's a young player as well. Um, you know it's good to see John Sutter back in the, um, back in the squad as well. You know we all know John Sutter's injury record isn't the best. You know he's had a tough time with injuries, um, but he started his Rangers season really well. You know I think he's he's played mostly every game, um, and he seems to have got through it pretty well. Um, so yeah, he'll be a really good addition. Um, back into that Scotland squad for Steve Clark. Um, and yeah, just finally, just in terms of the two games, you know, I think we both know, well, I don't know, maybe you might think this, but in my opinion, I think the biggest game here is the Cyprus game because that's the, the obviously the, the competitive match. Um, you know, obviously the England match is competitive as well, but, you know, I think if Scotland beat Cyprus uh, away, that could probably mean Scotland are probably at the Euros next year, you know, it's that big, a bigger match for them, you know, so I think all eyes will be on, the, on that match for Steve Clark, you know, um, you know, I, I think this Cyprus match is, you know, I think this could really send Scotland to Euros, in my opinion, you know, uh, 15 points, I think, would be enough. Um, and obviously, the England match to itself, you know, it, there, there doesn't need to be any doesn't need to be any try to get motivated for that match. You know that's that match will take care of itself, and you know uh, I'll be looking forward to that match if Scotland get through the Cyprus game well and they win. And you know I'll be I'll be I, I I can watch that England match with knowing that you know Scotland are fine. You and you know they're they're still going well. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to this upcoming international camp. And and yeah. It'll be really good to see Scotland back in action. So, um, coming up next, we'll be discussing all the latest transfer news from around the globe. So, um, we are now into the final week of the European transfer window. So, there's lots of stuff happening. Um, lots of clubs are going to have a busy week. So, Pierce, is there anything or any transfer news that you've been following recently? Yeah, I've, I've been really intrigued by um, the Scott McTominay situation. Um, not really get a look at it, Manchester United. Um, and also there's, there's links this week to uh, Bayern Munich, which I think is unbelievable if he can get a move to Bayern Munich because I think there was a talk of a like a loan swap deal. Um, we got we Ryan Gravenbosch, who to Eric Ten Hag has known from his time at Ajax. But if um Scott McTominay, who like you say he's a, he's a talented midfielder for Scotland, he's He's sensational. He's one of the standout players, key performers. Uh, he's Steve Clark's side, but but for Manchester United, he just doesn't fit the system, or they don't they don't put him in the right position that suits him best. And also, he's got a lot of talented midfielders ahead of him. But um, I do think under a different manager, under a different system, he would thrive. And I think in the Bundesliga, play for Bayern Munich, I think his level would raise, and I think he'd be. A brilliant performer playing alongside the likes of uh, Goretzka, um, 
Kimmich, just to name a few. Um, and I think it would it would raise his level. And obviously playing alongside um, Harry Kane as well and Thomas Muller and J- Jamal Musial, I think he'd be a good addition to them because they're looking for a, like a more holding midfielder. But I think if you played alongside uh, Kimmich as a holding midfielder, I think he would thrive and I think he would do really well. So that's kind of the, the news that I've been uh, following in Europe. Yep. Um, I'm going to say that there's one situation I'm keeping a close eye on, and it's Shao Felix from Atletico Madrid. Um, so it's he returned to Atletico Madrid this summer after a loan spell at Chelsea. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, so, uh, and he's not played any part for Atletico Madrid this season. You know, and there's been lots of talk that he's dreaming of a move to Barcelona. Um, you know, it's this it's the club he wants to go to. Um, I think Barcelona are kind of looking into it. Um, you know, and I think it is one to keep an eye on. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if something happens on the last day where we see Joe Felix at Barcelona. Um, so that's definitely one that's pretty interesting to me. Um, I'm just going to just briefly touch on two clubs. I think Celtic and Man United are going to have two. The two clubs for me are going to have busy weeks. You know, I think Celtic will be looking to sign at least two, three players, maybe even more. Um, you know, before obviously their injury record um at the moment, which is, you know, pretty bad. Um so I think Celtic will be looking to be pretty busy this week. And uh, Man United as well. Um I think Sophie and Amrabat, uh, who had an amazing World Cup from Morocco, um I think apparently he's not kind of part of the Fiorentina squad at the moment. And apparently he's pushing to to sign for Man United. So uh, I think that's one as well that's that's really interesting to keep an eye on. But yeah, um, you know, final week, you know, there's going to be things that are going to come out of nowhere. And, you know, obviously next week, me and you will be discussing all the, the confirmed signings and everything that's happened. So yeah, looking forward to discussing that more next week. So for the final part of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so um, some Asian football needs to get started. Um, so uh, Daegu FC will host an open friendly against J-League 1 side Sagan Tuso uh, on the 8th of September as uh, K-League 1 side wants to keep their match sharpness um, during the international break. Um, the KFA have also announced another international friendly for South Korea. Uh, they travelled to Cardiff City Stadium to face uh, Robert Page's Wales side on Tuesday the 7th of September. And the kickoff is uh, 7.45 local UK time. Uh, South Korea will play the following fixtures um, uh, this kind of this kind of the next month or so. So you've got Wales against South Korea um, on the 8th of September. Then you've got South Korea versus Saudi Arabia on the 13th of September. And then uh, still be to be confirmed um, a venue for the South Korea versus Tunisia match, which is in, uh, set for the uh, 13th of October. And then uh, South Korea will play Vietnam uh, sometime in October as well. So fans will also get their hands on Panini's K-League player cards from September as they will be sold exclusively at 7-11 convenience stores. This is the first time in Korean, uh, South Korean history and I anticipate they will fly off the shelves like hotcakes. So FC South defender Lee Han Bum has, de- has uh, departed for Denmark on Saturday, the 26th of August, as he has now joined uh, Danish side FC Matajland in uh, 
he's going to be playing alongside his fellow countryman, um, Cho Gusung. So he's signed for a fee of two billion won, which is roughly one point two million pounds. Lee, twenty one, debuted with FC Seoul last year, and he played a total of fifty one games in the K League One. Liam Bomb is one cap at under twenty three level for South Korea, and he's yet to be called up to senior level. Although he has been named in the South Korean squad for the upcoming Asian Games. This is what he had to say upon his uh, move to FC Metaijland. I'm happy to come to Europe and join FC Metaijland. Now, the most important thing for me is to make a difference on the pitch. I have seen several of the team's matches and the offensive attacking style of play was part of the reason I wanted to come here. My dream is to join the Korean national team and here at the club, I aim to win trophies. These are my goals for the next year. And this is what Cho Gusong's teammate has had about his, uh, his new teammate. I don't know him personally, but we've played against each other a few times. I know about his history in the K-League 1, uh, and it will be cool to play the same team as him, and I hope we become close teammates. So Lee Han Bong can make his debut for FC Mid-Thailand on Thursday as they take on Liga Warsaw in the second leg of the Europa Conference League playoff tie. Uh, Dejan Hanna, citizen midfielder, uh, Bae John Ho, uh, has departed for England on Sunday the 27th of August to finalise his move to championship side Stoke City. And uh, here's what Bae has had to say on his potential move. I always imagine playing football in Europe. This is like a dream come true, but I want to think that it's only just the beginning. It won't be easy, but I want to adapt to England and to Stoke City as soon as possible and show good performances. Uh, and that's all your kind of your kind of Asian football news in terms of the league results. So now we're going to the league action. Um, so we'll start off with the G League one action. So on Friday, twenty sixth of August, uh, we're showing Belmer nil, Urawa Diamonds one. Uh, Saturday, the twenty seventh of August, we had Kashiarlers two, Albrechts they got a nil. Uh, the short result of the weekend was um in the Yokohama derby, Yokohama FC four, Yokohama F Mariners one. Series Osaka 3, Nogo Grampus 1, uh, Vassel Kobe 2, um, FC Tokyo 2, Kawashiro Riso 0, Sanfetchi Roshma 0, uh, Kawasaki Frontale 2, Hoikuro Consadol Sapporo 2, uh, Kyoto Sanga 2, Avispa Fukuoka 0, uh, Sagan Tusu 1, Gambo Osaka 1. And that's now all the top three sides have all failed to win uh, this league, uh, win a game this weekend, which leaves the title race in relegation. A battle wide open. So in terms of the league table, it's leaving it looking like this. So top of the table, we've still got this uh UKMF Mars on top, 25 matches played, uh 50 points, and then right behind the Vassel Kobe 49 points, who gained a point on the other two because um Yokama and uh Nugo Grampus both lost this weekend. Um so now they're only one point behind Yokama F Marnos with uh, nine games to play. So uh, Nagoi Grampus on 45 points in third position and uh, Uarare Diamonds in fourth position with 44 and Kawashiantlers on fifth position with 42 points and is Serez Osaka on sixth position with 42 points as well. So as you see, that for second position and third position in the table, it's, it's so tight. You've got, two set, you've got four sides, five sides separated by seven points and then obviously the, from 36 it's only separated by three points 
So it's all to play for in terms of the title race, and uh, it can, it's going to go right down to the wire. So set for exciting into the season. In terms of the bottom half of the table, it's exactly the same. At the foot of the table in the 18th position, we've got Sean and Belmere um, on 17 points, and then the 17th position, Kawashu Racial on 20 points, and then Yokama FC with a short result the weekend now on 21 points. So that's kind of lifted them up um, up to 16th position. So they've now got a fighting chance of staying in the division. And um, with a result of the weekend like that, when so many goals that are scored were outstanding. So um, that will give them confidence going into the final nine games of the season. So in terms of the key league one action, that kicked off on Friday the 25th of August. There were two fixtures played. Um, Sewer FC won, Intron United 2, John Buck Hyundai Motors won, Dejan Hanna Citizen won. And then on Saturday the 26th of August, we had two matches played, and that was Daegu FC 1, Jeju United 0, Gang 1 FC 1, Polang Steelers 1. And then to round it off, Sunday the 27th of August, FC Sill 2, Ulsan Hyundai 2. And then the game of the weekend, the final match of the, the weekend was Guangzhou FC 4. So one Samsung Blue is nil. And um, I got a match report of that game in, um, on the Football Trigger website, so uh, give it a read. It was um, a fa- fantastic game. And uh, a shout-out to the second goal of the game, uh, scored by Jasir Asani. You'll struggle to see a better goal, better team goal, anywhere in the world. Um, uh, it was just it was to die for the intricate one-twos, and even the, the finish was outstanding. I highly recommend um going to work, uh, check out that goal on YouTube. Um, so at the top of the table, we've got Olsen Hyundai, 20 matches played, 61 points. Second position, we've got um Poang Steelers in uh, with 50 points. And then on third position, we've now got Guangzhou FC into the top four. Um they've now leapfrogged Jump Hyundai Motors, although they're in the same points, but now they've got a better goal difference. Um and they're, they're right in the race to come second. Uh, you only back them because obviously they were newly promoted this season, Guang Jesse, and um they've they've been the surprise package of the Key League one season, and um they've been refreshing to watch and sometimes their football has been outstanding at times, and um no for me that's that's um that was the result of the weekend and uh, that's how the top of half of the table is looking in terms of the bottom half, we've got Gang One FC rock bottom. 21 points, and then we've got Sue 1, Sons and Blue Wings right above them in 22. And then you've got a wee bit of distance between them and uh, Sue 1 FC, who have now got uh, 26 points. Um, so it's, 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 it's set for an end, thrilling into the season in terms of that fight for second position. Um, so we've got three teams battling that out. Uh, I think Ulsan Hyundai have kind of taken their foot off the gas a little bit. Still got an 11-point lead over the, the second-place Blowing Steelers. And uh, I think um, Gangwon and Suwon, the two Suwon teams, have um, they've been struggling all season. And I, I think again that could that could change on this season because um, we've still got plenty plenty to play for. So it's set for a thrilling into the season. And that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce, and thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Football Trigger Podcast. This co- this podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Trigger YouTube channel and also the Football Trigger website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye.